What is up, nine o'clock? Hey, my name is Savut, and I am the college and young adult pastor, and I am grateful to be here with you all this morning. So before we dive into God's word, I wanna share a quick story. So um, about a month and a half ago, um, apparently I split my tooth in half, okay? And uh, started having toothache, and so it started to, get to, started to get worse. Now, I'll preface this story by saying I am the worst sick person, okay? So anytime I'm sick or I'm not feeling good, honestly, I'm like, Lord, take my life. I don't wanna do this anymore, right? I complain a lot, I'm rude. I'm rude to my wife, and I just wanna be left alone. So. Uh, there was a, a span of three days. So this is about two and a half weeks ago. Um, I didn't, uh, my tooth was fully exposed, okay? And toothache is terrible. Um, and I, no exaggeration, probably in that span of three days, I got about four hours total of sleep, okay? So it was miserable. Finally, I'm able to get to the dentist and to get my tooth extracted. And in that moment, they put uh, they numbed my entire right side of the mouth and it was awesome. I was like, yes, no more pain, this is great. So the doctor says, hey, we got it now. Everything's finished, let's go and talk to your wife and tell her the instructions. I'm like, yes, please. So we walk out to the waiting room and my wife is waiting and her name's Allison and the doctor looks at her and, hey, are you Savut's wife? And she's like, yes. And the doctor says, he was in so much pain. And my wife, I looked at my wife and she started tearing up a little bit. And in that moment, I felt so loved. It's like, man, my wife loves me and she understood and she felt bad for the pain. So my wife and I walk outside and I say, honey, were you tearing up because you felt bad for me? She says, Savut, no, I was tearing up because now I can get some sleep and I don't have to take care of your butt anymore, <laughs> right? So. No, my wife is great, and so I told her my response to that was, Allison, you said I do in sickness and in health, right? <laughs> so next month, my wife and I will celebrate two years of marriage, and uh, yeah, it's a great milestone. Uh, we love uh, the gift of marriage, and it's been great to us. So anyways, if this is your first time, what we do here at the Experience Church is we go through books of the Bible, and we teach it uh, chapter by chapter, line by line, verse by verse. And last week, we started the book of 1 Peter, all right? And so last week, Pastor Corey um, taught on 1 Peter chapter one. And what we see in that chapter is that as Christians, we have this living hope, right? And because of this living hope, we have this ability because of Christ to be born again. And because we are born again, we are called to live a holy life. We are called to live a holy life. And Pastor Corey said, if we will humbly search for a relationship with Jesus, if we will humble ourselves and know that we are incapable of saving ourselves, then we can have a relationship with Jesus. And because we have a relationship with Jesus, we are capable to live this holy life. All right, and so this morning, we're going to learn something very similar in chapter two. All right, and so as Christ followers, if we have a relationship with Jesus, this should result in countercultural living, that we should not look like the world, that we should be countercultural in every aspect of our lives. So that's what we'll learn this morning. And so when you walked in, you should have received the notes handout. Um, everything I'll be saying will be on the screens. And then you can also download the Experience Community Church app 
and all the notes will also be on the app. Let's pray before we dive into God's word. Father, you're so good. Let us never forget that. God, this morning we're grateful for the freedom we have to gather in this room to worship. God, it's such a blessing to us. We're grateful for the freedom that we have to open up your word, that we have access to that. Lord, in this moment, I just wanna lift up our nation to you. I pray that you would do a miracle, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our nation, of the people around us, people in this room. Lord, we pray for every church in this nation, in our country, in our city, in the surrounding areas, that you would bless them. Lord, if they proclaim that you are the savior of the world, protect them, encourage them, be with your churches. Lord, we love you. Be with us this morning. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter two. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up into it in your salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the first thing we see here, so he says, therefore, okay? And what we have to, it's, it's a great bridge to chapter one. And so what we saw last week in verse 23 in chapter one, says, because you have been born again, Christ follower, through the living and enduring word of God. And so God's word was the content of what Peter was preaching. So for us, what this means is, if we have a relationship with God, right? So once upon a time, before we met Christ, we were headed towards the path of destruction, right? We were headed this way and everything we tried left us empty and wanting more. We wanted some kind of true life. And the savior of the world, world rescued us and put us on a new path. So we began this relationship with him. We started to dive into his word, to read what he says to us. And if we're reading the word and we apply this to our lives, then our lives should look different. This is alive and active, right? The word of God is alive and active and it should transform our lives. So, if, so for me, I began a relationship with God 10 years ago. Right, so I don't know when that was for you if you're a Christ follower, but here's the truth. If you're following Jesus and you have an authentic relationship with him and you're living according to his word, we should look more and more like Christ and less and less like the world, right? And so if you're in here, you're like, I follow Jesus, but I'm still doing the same stuff before I quote unquote follow Jesus, then I would question if you have an authentic relationship with Christ. So he says, because of this word, because of Christ, we are to, Peter says, rid ourselves of our old way of living. And he says here, of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. I think it's very interesting that this, these are all sins that affect relationships, that destroy community. Man, the world loves it and the enemy loves it when Christians just go at it when Christians are tearing each other down, like we are more focused on being right than we are focused on loving people and loving the Lord. We have been distracted. Peter says, put, put away these things. And the Bible says to put on humility, put on meekness, put on Christ. 
So the question I'll ask this morning and the question I will ask at the very end is are we growing closer to Christ or are we walking away from Christ? There's no in between. Which direction are we going? Now he gives this metaphor, this imagery of a newborn infant, okay? And so he says, in the same way that a baby longs for milk, right? A baby naturally longs for this mother's milk. A baby needs his mother's milk to survive and to grow. In that same way that the baby longs for milk, all believers as born again Christ followers, we need to long for pure milk. What does that mean? So pure milk for the Christ follower is a relationship with Jesus. It's praying to him, it's talking to our God. It's reading the Bible, of the, so the pure milk of the word, reading scripture, knowing what scripture says, this is the only truth that matters. But not just read it, because I think a lot of us, we say we know scripture, we can read it, but James says, don't only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word too. And that leads to obedience. And guys, obedience is a challenging part for all of us, I think. When we read something like what we're gonna read in a minute, abstain from sinful desires or put away all of your former way of living, that gets into our personal lives, right? And we don't like that. We don't like when, when God gets into our personal life. We get challenged and we're like, I don't really wanna do that. I wanna follow you, but I wanna keep doing what I wanna do. That's not how it works. So if you're in here and you're like, man, I love all that you talked about. Like, it sounds good. I'm a Christian, but I don't really desire to pray. I don't desire to read scripture or to be obedient to what God is telling me to do. I don't really have this craving to be an authentic community. I've been there before, and here's what I believe. I think if we don't crave and desire the pure milk of the word, it's probably because we have been consuming so much crap in this world. We are consuming so much of the world's milk, which is impure, and impure milk stunts the growth of us as Christians. So what we need to do, guys, is all of us, we need to evaluate everything we are taking into our minds and in our hearts. What we listen to matters, what we watch matters, all of the things that we feed our lives, if it is garbage, we will spill out garbage. Jesus says like this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is filled with light, then the rest of the body is filled with light. But if the eye is filled with darkness, the rest of the body is dark. So it matters, it matters what you feed your mind with. And I think in a room this size, as most of us are probably Christ followers, what happens sometimes is we begin a relationship with Jesus and it's awesome and we love it and then life gets a little challenging and there's trials that we go through and in those trials, the world is yelling at us saying, hey, this will give you life. The world will try to bring things that are attractive that may be some quick fixes and so we try it out and then many of us, we have, we have simply forgotten that the Lord is good some of us just need to take our eyes off of the world, fix it on Jesus, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the only place that we could find true life. Next section is gonna be, in, we're gonna start in verse four here. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by God, but chosen and honored, or rejected, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, 
you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he gives this imagery of a spiritual house, of a building. And so the churches in Peter's time, they have to see themselves as living stones connected to the living stone, which is Jesus Christ. And that's the same exact thing for us. If we are Christ followers, we have to be connected to the living stone. We have to be connected to him because that, where, that is where the foundation has to start, right? That Christ, he says here, is the cornerstone and everything we build our life off needs to be Christ if we claim to be Christ followers. Man, and I, I've tried it before, building my life off of a lot of different foundations. Many of us in this room, we've tried it before, building our life off of the world's foundation. And here's the truth. If we use any other foundation that's not Christ, eventually it's going to fall. And the Bible says it won't just collapse, but there will be a great collapse. And the tragic part is not just in this life, guys, and the next life too, it's gonna be a great collapse. So Peter talks about the stumbling block. So people who reject Christ, right? In this time, in our time, people who reject Christ are going to stumble and fall over the truth of Jesus. People will reject him in our days too. We're gonna to see that. When we share about Christ, they're gonna hate that. They're gonna reject us. Or that we're gonna see some Christians Right In our culture, we see a lot of North American Christians that will reshape God to fit in with their idea of God. Man, that's such a sad thing. And I think it's so popular now, right? It's like, think about this. The creator of the universe created us and said, you are very good. The all-knowing God created us, said, we are very good. And we as creation say, God, Thank you, but I don't like how you look. God, thank you, but I don't really like what you say. So I'm going to turn a blind eye to things that challenge my personal life because I want to continue to do what I want to do. How arrogant is that? We're going to try to reshape him to fit in with what we believe God should look like. Here's the truth. It doesn't matter what you believe God should look like. He is God and he is God alone, right? We have no right. He has given us the privilege to be his creation. Jesus is either the most wonderful news or he's the most offensive. 
here's what I mean by that, guys. Like last week when Pastor Corey told us the truth about us is that we are incapable of saving ourselves, that we needed a savior and only Christ was able to rescue us from the direction we were headed. That should be the most wonderful news, right? Praise God, that is a liberating life. But for some people, it is offensive. What do you mean I can't save myself? What do you mean I can't do things on my own? What do you mean I, I'm, I'm not, that I'm in need of a savior? How dare you tell me that? Or when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's great news, but for some people, that's offensive. What do you mean there's only one way to the Father, and that's Jesus? That can be very offensive. So for us as Christians, the question is, do we share about a biblical Jesus or do we share a watered-down version of Jesus? I think a lot of people have heard and, and the world continues to tell us this, like Christians, yes, we should love people. We should build bridges with non-believers, right? That's awesome, that's necessary. We should not isolate ourselves. We should live out in the world. We need to love people, correct. But we gotta make sure we share the biblical Jesus too because the biblical Jesus is the only one that can transform hearts. The watered down version that we share because we're, we're afraid they might get offended the truth is we're just loving people straight to hell. We never share the good news of the gospel. Amen. We have to share that there is a God that can save them. Now, people in Peter's time and, and believers nowadays, it can, be, it can get really discouraging, right? I've been there too. It can get discouraging. There's gonna be a culture like following Jesus is not cool anymore. It's not the popular thing to do. It's gonna get extremely difficult. And in the midst of a culture that continues to reject Christ and mistreat Christ's followers, they're going to continue to mistreat us. It's gonna get discouraging and we will want to give up. We'll wanna say, I, wanna, I just wanna go with whatever the world is doing. Peter encourages, he knows that we're gonna get discouraged. He knows that they were discouraged. He wants to encourage us as Christians with some incredible truths, okay? So if you need to hear this, man, I, I hope that this encourages you. As a Christ follower, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. And that's only possible because of Christ. We gain this incredible value because we belong to the creator. You as a Christian belong to the creator of the, of the universe. And that's incredible value. So he tells us all this, not just so we can sit and like, yes, I'm a chosen race. This is awesome. I'm a Christian. I belong to the creator. That's not where it ends. He tells us this so that we can proclaim about him and the praises and what he's done. And so if we have been rescued, the truth of all of our stories is we were headed towards darkness but God called us into his marvelous light. Like if that's your story, if that's our story, why in the world do we keep this to ourselves? Why, why do we remain quiet if God has rescued us? We need to share about that good news. So how we live in our day-to-day -day lives matters. Everywhere, how, how, how you talk to people at your jobs, how you work, as a student, 
how you treat servers in public, all of that matters because there is a lost world that is watching and they're looking for hope. Man, I know even in your own circles, you guys see people that is looking for hope. And what a great opportunity we have to build a bridge and one day, if we live a life that honors Christ, that looks countercultural, that looks like Christ, they're gonna say, man, tell me about the hope that you have. That's the best moment. We get to share about the hope that we have in Christ. So are you the church outside of these four walls or not? I think it's very easy to, to walk into a church service and worship and listen to a message and then check out after that. I think a lot of us will walk out and it's easy to just go back to the same rhythms of life, continuing to look like the world and not knowing that there's a lost world looking for hope. The truth of who God is, is he still is a miracle worker, right? Do you believe that? That God can still call people out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is no one in your life that's too far gone. No one. And so I want you guys, I wanna challenge us as a church who are those people that you have given up on? I've been there, right? I've given up on a few people, but God continues to work on their hearts. And so for me, it's praying specifically by name for the people that don't believe, the people that are lost. Would you pray specifically by name? Trust that God can still do a miracle in their life. All right, next part. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but as God's slave. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God and honor the emperor. So the first thing he says here is, guys, as Christians, we are strangers and exiles in this world, which means this is not our forever home. This is temporary. And so as temporary residents in this world, we should show a healthy detachment from the world. Bible says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world as Christ followers. Pastor Corey says this a lot. We can't isolate from the world but we need to be insulated by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we're going to be able to be a light in this world. That's the only way we will not give in to the ways of the world. And so Peter says it here, we, are, we need to abstain from sinful desires. And why is that? Because the sinful desires, like before we met Christ and our flesh, even as Christ followers, it gravitates towards selfishness, right? It gravitates towards sin. Our sinful desires wage war against our soul, which means this is not a game. This is not a game. Like sin is a big deal. 
So we need to wage war against it. We can't give up the fight. We have to keep fighting the battle. It's a hard battle, yes, but it's worth it to never surrender and wave that white flag. This war is too important. That way, like our flesh versus our spirit is way too important. I think many of us, I know in this room, there, there may be a lot of people who have struggled with addiction or currently struggle with addiction, okay, to whatever that is. Um, maybe it's bitterness or hatred in our hearts or frustration with people, whatever the case is in our lives and lust. If we fight alone, we're gonna lose. If you fight by yourself, you're gonna lose. Or if you try your best, you know what? I, I'm gonna try to focus on destroying the sin by myself. The truth is our best is trash compared to God. We need God's help. And so if we have the spirit inside of us as Christ followers, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives inside of us, that wants to fight with us, why in the world are we not dependent on that? Why are we not dependent on him? He wants to fight with us. We also need to fight with brothers and sisters that love the Lord too. Find authentic community that will love you guys, that will fight with you. Do not do this life alone. And remember, we are strangers and exiles, which means this is temporary. We are able to endure this temporary life so that one day we can be with Jesus in the next life. It's worth it to endure and to wage war against our souls. And it's hard because there is a world, there is a culture, our, our culture, that loves to tell us, express ourselves. Do whatever we feel like. Do whatever's on our minds. Live our truth now. Live our best life right now. That's what we hear. It's a loud voice. But the Bible's message is opposite of that. The Bible says, we even just read it here, abstain from sinful desires. Paul writes about it, put to death your former way of living. So we have to deny ourselves and then we have to live a life that honors God. Deny ourselves, live a life that honors God. That's the opposite of what the culture says. So countercultural living should not be the goal of the Christian, right? Rather, Countercultural living is the result of following Jesus and living according to his word. And so if we follow Jesus, if we have a relationship with him, we talk with him daily, we trust in him and we live according to his word and, and live these truths out in our lives, then the fruit will show. So what I mean is I, we don't need to wake up as Christians and say, all right, I want to do all these things. This is what I need to do. It creates a life of checklist, right? If we do that, and it leads to two things. If you live a life of checklists, what will happen is we will either say, man, look at all the things that I'm doing right. It leads to righteousness and prideful people. Or it will say, man, I can't do any of these things. This is very challenging. It's going, that life will lead to hopelessness. And we'll say, I wanna give up. So here's our focus. Wake up, know that we have the creator of the universe with us and say, God, I need your help today. God, I need wisdom today. God, I have no idea what today looks like, but you do. God, I know there's hard people in this world to love. Help me see people the way that you see them. Give me eyes to see people the way that you see them. And that kind of life, walking by the Spirit, will result in countercultural living. 
All right, here's the fun part, all right? So 13 to 17, verse 13 to 17 is about politics and government. Don't tune out, okay? So I know it's July 4th weekend, and I'm like, all right, I'm teaching about government. This is great. So it says to submit as free people as God's slave, all right? So we have become prideful, and we don't like the word submit. I, I've been there. I don't like the word submit sometimes, but that's because my pride gets in the way. What do you mean? Someone could tell me what to do? Someone... Like, I have to listen to my boss. I have to do the, like, that can get challenging sometimes. So Peter writes, we are to submit to authorities and government unless, unless, this is important, it involves actions that are contrary to the word of God. And that is because as Christ followers, we belong to God first. Our allegiance lies with him first, okay? In Acts 4, uh, Peter and John are sharing the gospel and it said a thousands believed. And so the government, the Jewish leaders saw this and they're like, oh no, this can't happen. Like they're sharing, they're sharing about Jesus and people are believing, people are being transformed. Now we need to arrest Peter and John. And so they arrest Peter and John. And what happens is they tell them, hey, you guys can't keep sharing the news about Jesus. And in verse 20 in chapter four, they say, how can we remain silent about what God has done? Like imagine if we live that kind of life, how can we remain silent about what God has done in our lives and what we have seen and heard about Jesus? Here's what I think about authority, guys, is when we humble ourselves, when we say, man, I, I, my ways aren't the best. God's way is the best. I wanna surrender to him. I need him in my life. When we surrender, humble ourselves, and we submit to God, and we understand that Christ freed us, so we have this freedom in Christ, it should change our perspective on authority. It should change our perspective and how we see authority here on earth because we have the ultimate authority that we belong to. And so a life of humility is the most liberating life that you can live. Man, I, I know it's July 4th weekend. And I know we're celebrating independence and we talk about a lot about freedom. But here's the truth, like look around in our lives, look around in this world. Some of us even here right now, we are slaves to so many things. We're slaves to politics. We are chained to people's opinions. We're slaves to technology and culture. Guys, the only true freedom in this world is in Christ and Christ alone. That's where we find true freedom, guys. So some of us in this room and, and watching online, man, we, we spend way too much time and money and energy on politics. Imagine if Christ followers spent all of their energy, money and politics, or our money, energy, and time on advancing the God, God's kingdom, advancing the gospel Imagine that. Imagine if we started to have face-to-face -face conversation with people and to share about Jesus. There was a time in my life where I pursued professional gaming. And in that time, as things got competitive, as a Christ follower, it was incredibly easy to talk trash to people, to tear people down, to treat them as garbage, to say whatever I want because it's easy, because it's online. And I think that's the kind of world we live in is on social media, it's incredibly easy to, sh to, sh to share a lot of things, uh, maybe memes or whatever about politics. We, we all have our own opinions, right? 
it's incredibly easy to do that on social media. And then we start to cuss people out. But then we associate with Christ. Man, if we invite, I wanna challenge all of us this week. If we invite somebody to coffee or lunch and we sit across from the table from them, it doesn't matter what they look like. doesn't matter what they agree on. doesn't matter what side of the, side of politics they're on, here's my challenge as, as Christians. If you look at them and you don't see someone made in the image of God, that's a heart issue. Should soften our hearts, our words will change. We won't talk trash because we look at that individual as made in the image of God. And if you're in here and you're like, man, I follow Christ, but I have a hard time loving people, here's the good news. We can pray to a God that can transform our hearts. God can show us how to love people. He loved, us, he loved us first, and that allows us to love the other person, regardless of what they look like or what they believe in. We can love people. So I say all that, say all that to say this, guys. Our leaders and our states and our nation, they are humans made in the image of God. Right? They are humans made in the image of God. They are precious to God, and so we should look at them as such. Peter says, we are to submit, yes, and we are to respect, but guys, we do not worship them. We don't worship them because we worship one king. And some of us in this room, we think that if we can just get the right person in office, they're going to change everything and, and, and fix all the issues in this world. We think that they will bring heaven on earth. There is one heavenly king. His name is Jesus, right? There's one heavenly king and he is not subject to a majority vote. Jesus is still on the throne. Do we believe that? Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Man, and, and like as Christ followers, like man, Christ is still on the throne. But during this, the last few weeks, we have lost our minds. Like we're losing our minds. And, and this is why I think we're losing our minds. It's because as Christians, some of us think that this is our forever home. This is temporary. We have a next life to look forward to. One day, all sin will be eradicated, right? One day, there will be no more tear, no more sadness. There's a perfect life that we can live with our Creator. That's what we should long for. We should look forward to that. And Christians, it should break our heart to see the state of the nation. It should break our heart to see people losing their minds. It should make us sad and make, it should wake us up to say the life I live right now matters. So until he returns or until he calls us home, Peter says, honor everyone. Love their brothers and sisters. Fear God and honor the emperor. Man, that's hard, I know, that's hard. But like Pastor Corey said last week, it's capable with a relationship with Jesus is capable. All right, last part here. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if because of a conscience of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it. But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, 
leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so what we see here, he talks about household slaves, okay? So these are people who are well-educated and held good job positions. And Peter knows they're they're working in the non-Christian world, right? And he says, some of them treat you well, and some of them treat you in a cruel way. And he says, you are to endure it. And, then we, and he's telling them, you, get, you guys can endure this because you are mindful of who God is, that God is with you, okay? So what does this mean for us? What this looks like for us is in this life, even today, following Jesus is not the cool thing to do. Following Jesus is challenging, it's difficult, but it's worth it, right? It's challenging, it's difficult. Even in the workplace, in our schools, And so as Christ followers, I wanna challenge all of us. As Christians, we should be the most hardworking people, right? We should honor God with how we work. So whatever your work field looks like, you should have the best attitude. We should be the most patient people. We should be the most understanding people. We should go above and beyond because everything we do, we want to honor God, especially in how we work. And we do that because this creates opportunities for people to see Christ. Peter says that if we're mistreated due to our, due to our faith, right? If someone treats us and in, in you know, they're singling us out because of our faith, and if we endure that, praise God, brings him glory, we receive favor from God. But if we receive discipline because we aren't Christ-like in how we work, that doesn't bring God glory. So maybe something that we can understand in our culture is, okay, if we're at work and we get written up because we're always late, that's not persecution. That's just you being lazy, right? We're like, man, they treated me bad. What'd you do? I, I didn't do my job or I, I, I had a bad attitude. It was like, well, that's, that's not Christ-like, okay? So we need to honor God in everything that we do. If we're mistreated for that, endure it because you know that there is a God that's with you. So he gives the example of Jesus, and this is awesome. So think about this. Jesus Christ was arrested, was made fun of, was beaten, was spat upon, was put on the cross. And we follow his footsteps on how he endured, how he responded to that. We're going to get mistreated in this world. The example that Jesus set is he did not sin. Sometimes I think that we, we give an excuse for sin, right? So if someone mistreats us, we respond in a sinful way. We say, well, they did this to me. And as Christians, there's always, always a way to respond like Christ. There's always a way out. There's always a way to respond in the way that honors Christ. Some, and then he said, he did not verbally lash out. He didn't threaten those who caused his unjust suffering. It's incredibly easy for us 
like our natural thing is to retaliate and to say something back, right? We want to threaten them back if they threaten us. We want to lash out. And the last thing we see here is Jesus trusted God who judges justly. And that's big for us. Will we trust God that one day he will make everything right, that he's going to judge because he is the right judge. If we trust that, then, then we can respond in the Christ-like way here on earth. Peter finishes with the cross. You know, I, I, as we gather in churches, we talk about, we sing songs about Jesus dying on the cross for us and rising from the dead. Like that's, that's the gospel, that's awesome news, that's great. We're like, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. But I wanna live a comfortable and easy life here. Man, I don't wanna carry my cross. I hope it's easy, I hope it's comfortable. I just wanna live a life of comfort. A life of comfort is not following Jesus. If we follow Jesus, we're gonna get mistreated. In Luke, Jesus says, we need, we need, if we wanna be disciples of Jesus, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily, every day we wake up, every day. And so at moments of being mistreated in our life, at moments of unjust suffering, when we're confused at why we're going through hard times, why things are happening to us, in those moments, we discover who we worship with how we respond. I've met people that have responded in incredible ways that just, they continue to worship even when it doesn't make sense. They worship a God who loves them and they know that there's a God that's with them. So will we respond? Are we going to respond like Jesus so that others can see Jesus? You're not just going through hard times for no reason. There is a reason to honor God, to worship him so that others can see it. So as we wrap up today, the first part, first half, what we saw in this chapter is we see some incredible truths about the privileges we can have as Christ followers, this new identity that we can have as Christ followers. And so because of what Christ did for us, because of who he is, there's an invitation for all of us. We all can have access to a relationship with the creator. There is a God that wants to talk with you. That should blow your mind. There is a God that knows every detail about you and he still loves you. He knows it, he knows what you're going through. He just wants to hear from you. And we no longer, right, because of what Christ did, we no longer have to go in the path of destruction and emptiness and darkness, but there is a God that can rescue us and call us into his marvelous light a life that is everlasting in the next life. We get eternal life with him one day. That's the life that we can have because of what Christ did. And because of Christ, we gain incredible value. We can be people that belong to God, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, once not a people, but now we are God's people. And so if we follow Christ though, if we call ourselves in this room, Christ followers, how we live in our day-to-day -day lives matters. It matters. Every action, every word, all of that matters. So in, in our marriages and relationships and friendships with our family and our work and our school and politics and our response 
to being mistreated, our response to trials. And all of that, when people look at us, do they see Jesus? Guys, we don't need to walk around wearing a Christian shirt all the time. We don't need to walk around having a tattoo that says I'm a Christ follower. If we follow Jesus and live according to his word, there will be people that will say, tell me about the hope that you have. Tell me about Jesus. And for us, we need to intentionally pray for opportunities to share that. And as Christ followers, life's gonna get difficult. It's gonna get more difficult, I believe. But we know that this life is temporary. We are strangers in this world. This life is temporary, which means even if everything is taken away from us in this life, as Christ followers, we get Jesus in the next life, right? This is temporary. It makes it all worth it. We have a living hope and his name is Christ and we get to be with him forever. So endure the pain here. Continue to fight. Continue to run the race. Do not give up. So I'm gonna ask a set of questions here. It's simple, guys. Are we in or are we out? Will we consume the pure milk of the word, which is a relationship with Jesus and prayer and authentic community? Will we consume this that will help us grow or will we consume the world's milk? I've tried both before in my life. There's there is times when I'm like, man, I want a taste of the world and it starts to feed my, my life with garbage. And when I'm living like that, there is no strong desire for God's pure word. However, when I'm fully invested in this and consuming the pure milk of the word and relationship with God and putting my trust in him and surrendering to him, I no longer desire garbage. We can only pick one, guys. Are you in or are you out? Will we abstain from sinful desires? Will we de deny our sinful nature? Or will we listen to the culture and feed our sinful nature? Will we listen to the culture that says, do whatever you feel, do whatever you want, and follow our hearts? Will we humble ourselves? Will we say, God, the way I've tried doesn't work? God, I can't save myself, but you can. I need a savior. Will we surrender everything to Jesus or will we let pride get in the way and saying, I like the way I'm going. I will do what I want. No one can tell me what to do. What will we do? And the last question is very simple, guys. Do we wanna follow Jesus or not? Do you want to follow Jesus or not? There's no in between. Jesus says, you're either for me or against me. We can't serve two masters. Many of us like the idea of having one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world, and that's not how following Jesus works. Jesus wants, he wants 100% of us. Many of us, maybe right now we're at 90%. 90% God, but then I love you know, surrendering this area of my life to the ways of culture and the ways of the world. I don't wanna give that to you yet, God. God wants 100%. Try that out. That would be the most liberating life that you can live. Would you guys bow your heads with me? 
I think the truth is following Jesus for me isn't easy. I know that, man, but it's so worth it. And that's the same truth for you. Following Christ can get difficult. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's the best decision I've ever made. So if you have questions about Christ, if you have questions about anything in this life, to my right, your left, is Pastor Mike. Come up and ask him any questions. He would love to talk with you. And then on both sides of the stage, there's men and women that would love to pray with you, pray for you. Whatever you're walking through, there's a God that sees it and knows it and he wants to be with you. Would you humble yourself and come up and ask for prayers? And then all around the room, uh, there are communion tables. And after I pray, I wanna invite you guys to join us in communion and we're gonna have a pastor come up and lead that time for us as a church. Lord, you're so good. God, remind us that we are desperately dependent on you. Can't do this life without you. Lord, I challenge, pray and challenge our church here that we would go out to be the light, that we would follow you so that we can be countercultural. And so one day we'll have opportunities that someone will ask to share about the hope that we have in you. Lord, true freedom is only found in you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.